Portions of the following episode were recorded after the coronavirus pandemic started, but before the murder of George Floyd and related protests. We know these events have had and will continue to have tremendous impact on our lives and our community, and of course, the work of artists. We assert that Black Lives Matter and will be working on content that deal with such topics. As always, we'd love to hear more about what you'd like to hear from us. Stay tuned for ways to reach out to us at the end of the show. Welcome to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times. I'm Seema Rao, Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer. And I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, Curator of Education. Today's episode is about mark making. So I've been making lots of marks. One, I've been putting, my hair is growing crazy and I've been putting pens in. Um, (laughs) But actually more, I've noticed that I'm having a hard time remembering as much. Um... I, my kids are in middle school and teenagers, but um, it makes me feel like I have baby brain. And so I've been writing with a pen all kinds of things, lists and on scraps of paper and in little notebooks. I wouldn't say that I've become organized, um, but I did I did become a lot more a lot more about mark making. Um, what about you? Are you writing a lot? I'm not writing so much. It's interesting. <laughs> this is like, I don't know why I feel sheepish about this, but the most mark making um, I've been doing is via face paint with my four-year-old. So he had requested um, as a gift not too long ago face paint, um, but he just wants me to paint on him. So (laughs) he's been like, he'll come with me to the computer and like look up things and then he'll say what he wants as his like tattoo for the day. But what's so funny and so revealing about, like, my personality is that we'll get started. He's like, okay, mom looks good. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, (laughs) if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I feel like I start getting really into it. And he's like, can I have my arm back? Like, we are done. Do you think that means I need to sketch more on my own? I think it probably does. Or you need more tattoos. We were sick. I was trying to, the girls, um, we used to for years, I used to draw tattoos with pen on them and then use um, whatever that you know, like um, liquid Band-Aid to keep it on for years and years and years. Um, you have to use a ballpoint pen, but not an ink pen because it drains. And we would do like minimalist tattoos. And then there was, I would draw so many tattoos and then they would do them. Um, so this year I was thinking, I was saying to my husband, I was like, well, we have a lot of time. You know, how do they make those prison tattoos? We could learn that skill. <laughs> you know, why not? Because my, my daughters were both said to me, let's, let's get tattoos. <laughs> Um, we're not doing prison tattoos if my mother's listening to this absolutely not Um, but the thing that I find fascinating the reason I was going to say about the prison tattoos is one thing I find very interesting about the world that we live in is that people seem to have no fear of marking their skin either temporarily or really but so many people when we talk about learning to draw are fearful of a blank page which I think is amazing what is that fear of the blank page I just feel like drawing is something that you try and it's so visible. Like if you wanted to practice singing or you wanted to practice, um, I don't know, what else would you do? Even like cooking? I don't know. I guess it's all visible, but it's so right in your face. Like, I don't know. And I think so often part of the problem is 
even for us as museums, like visitors see the things when they're finished, right? They don't see all the messy in-between stages and all the sketches that it took to get there and all of the things that the artist threw away because the artist wasn't satisfied with it. And um, so it's a, it's too much to live up to when all you see is like the most perfect thing that like somebody worked on for years and you then are presented with the same beginning, a blank page. Like it's too much. Yeah, you're actually right. I hadn't thought of it that way. It's sort of like... Um... Well, you know, I was trying to think when you were saying it too, like, you know, um, musicians, you know, you don't hear Whitney Houston's, I don't know, like her mess ups or um, I'm not even a Whitney Houston fan. I don't know why I picked her, but, you know, any musician, anyone you like, um, you know, picking them. I guess it's also because we have people have to sing at school for like a long time. Right? You have to sing the national anthem for the rest of the every time you're in school for for all of the, the time. And people sing in the shower. I think that um, I do think like. Uh, singing in the shower is equivalent to doodling in your notes. Definitely. You know, and so, like, you're not scared of doodling, you're not scared of singing in the shower, but I, but people, I feel like maybe it's also, there's something about singing that doesn't seem as scary as drawing. Yeah, I think part of it is, um, you know, art educators have talked about this for a long time, but we lose it after a while, you know? Like, we're so encouraged when we're little to draw and sketch and doodle and, you know, even practice our letters and things like that. And then somewhere along the way, at least in a lot of instances, um, I feel like a lot of people lose that. Um, and then maybe find it again as adults. And then if they haven't found it again as adults, it's really daunting to kind of start, you know? It's the first mark. It's the first mark. You're right. I was in graduate school in a, like a business class and they, so it was all business people. And they said to us, the first thing he said was, okay, draw the person you live with. And so um, I was the only one who drew something that looked like a person that I lived with. <laughs> and everyone else was really scared and almost didn't make the first mark. And he said, oh, so you're the people who stopped learning when you were in the school, and she's the one who kept doing it. And he said, you know, the problem is, and his point was about business and, like, you have to make the first step, was his point. Um, and that you basically have to keep learning. And one of the things you learn is to lack fear, uh, to continue to do business. And people who are good at business are people who keep getting, it's like a um, feedback loop, right? A positive feedback loop. And I think drawing in some ways is a positive feedback loop. But that's if you want your drawings to be realistic. If your drawing is just expression, just making marks, then you, you shouldn't, the blank page doesn't matter because you're not getting to anywhere. Yeah, I mean, to put a value judgment on something that you're doing just as an exercise, I feel like, again, it's too much pressure. No need to do that to yourself. Um, just let it be, <laughs> you know? But I think also our education system, you know, you were an art teacher, um, that I do think there's some things that it does a disservice for because there's some things like music. You have to take a recorder. Everybody has to take a recorder. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows some, they, they kind of feel like you could learn to play music. But I don't think we tell people you could learn to be happy with what you draw. I don't necessarily think that there's one way to draw, but we don't allow people that. Like we don't, you know, we don't give them any success moments other than like when they're in second grade and they put their picture up on the refrigerator. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is I feel like um, a lot of times, like if you are adept at drawing, not even adept, or you just really like it, it's like, oh, you're the artist then and and children begin to sort of like label themselves like you're the art person you're the athlete you're this uh, and maybe kids aren't doing that anymore I don't know I feel like kids today are so awesome I just love them so much um <laughs> but then once you start telling yourself like I'm good at this or I'm not good at this it's like self-fulfilling prophecy right 
So, you know, whether you tell yourself over and over again, like, oh, I'm not good at math. Well, you can learn to be good at math. You can learn to like your drawing if it's what, you know, if it's what you want to do. You know, you can learn to love singing, even if, like, the physicality of your voice, like, even if it's you are never going to be an opera star, like, you can love it if that's what you want to do. Yeah, it, that's the thing, right? It's not about learning to be good. It's learning to love it. We have a great collection of uh, work from the early 20th century in Ohio. And a lot of those people were, worked either as, they worked as teaching artists a lot of times. You know, they were professors and, and um, they probably had a lot, you see these pictures of them in a studio with lots of people who aren't growing up, want to grow up to be artists. They just want to learn to love to make something. Right. Or be experimental and try it out. You know, I I hope right now, especially, people are trying out different hobbies and different activities with a lot less um, expectations of themselves, you know, that it's that it's a part of productivity. Like, oh, maybe if I start doing this, like, I'll create an Etsy shop and start selling these. Or, you know, maybe if I do this, it'll lead to this other thing. Like, I really hope right now that people, and I've seen it a little bit myself, that people are starting up hobbies just for fulfillment and we have those great studio vid- videos that yeah. our colleagues are making and you know i mean it's true it's just draw to draw or make to make and don't sell it you're there's this sort of side hustle culture is is really problematic and plus you know there's like there are artists who work as artists this week's um person elmer uh do i say novotny novotny um you know he was a working artist uh, but the w- world was different in the early 20th century, early mid 20th century. I often walk by it and I, it's a it's it is about somebody who's a working artist, but it also feels like um, about what I bet a lot of people who are crafting and making at home feel, which is that they're doing it at home with their spouses because he's with his wife. So it, it is in some ways not a quarantine portrait, but it sure looks like one. <laughs> it does. I mean, you see them. So you see the artist and his wife in their home. Um, I, I believe it's their home. I feel like his studio was inside their home because you see like his um, his art materials on a side table and you see like the molding of their, I don't know, around their walls and she's sitting on like a comfy chair. So it looks very homey. So it, it is a good representation, I think, of a lot of stuff that's going on right now. People are doing whatever they're doing with the people in their houses around <laughs> and um, are doing a lot of things at home. And it is a great representation of what happens right before the first mark because you might not see it at first but right near the artist is a totally blank canvas like and the we can just imagine what's going to be on there that's the thing right you can imagine whatever you want on that blank sheet of paper you can put anything and then particularly with paper if you're not you're not doing this for a living you can throw it away or recycle it and then um then start with another sheet of paper so i'm going to turn it over to our colleague reggie here with another edition of Deep Dive. Whether it's the handprints in ancient cave paintings, the complex hieroglyphics of Egypt, or the slashes and swirls of a graffiti artist, humans have spent millennia finding ways to make their mark. Anytime we do something as simple as leave our signature or make a to-do list, we've engaged in a part of the same creative process that artists go through. This week's artist, Elmer Novotny, was a master mark maker who carefully balanced his scenes to create spaces for the viewer's eye to both move and rest. 
What I find fascinating in this work is the space where he's used Mark sparingly to give the eye a rest. In many compositions, an artist often directs the viewer's eye around the scene in a triangle or circle motion so that the viewer can take in the full image in front of them. But in this work, Novotny brings the eye from his own face down towards his wife's knee and then up towards her face, but there's no mark or object that connects them back together. Instead of looking at each other, gesturing towards one another, or placing an object in the background to complete the loop, Navani has left a bit of a void between their faces. This lack of marks leaves room for interpretation. Is the empty space a lull in their conversation? Have we interrupted something private, leaving their moment hanging between them? Or perhaps Novotny felt he and his wife were so deeply connected that they were able to feel comfortable with the pauses and silences that come with intense familiarity. Whatever the true meaning, Novotny's meticulousness throughout his career makes me believe that the lack of marks in that space was wholly intentional. Sometimes it is the things unseen that speak the loudest. And with that, I'll bring another segment to a close, but we'll be back again for another deep dive. Thanks, Reggie. Um, I loved how you talked about the amount of thought that went into every element of every composition. Every line was there because it was supposed to be there. And for me, that seems like a whole theme here with mark making. Mark making is as much about the thing that happens before you make the mark and why you've chosen to put that mark there and how you're gonna um, express it, how thick it's gonna be, how thin it's gonna be, how realistic it's gonna be. And that seems a lot like what Caitlin's gonna talk about in a moment, that mark making is as much about the things on the page as the things in the artist's mind. Hello all, it's Caitlin. This week, I spoke to someone who I had not previously, and that's Maria Alejandra Zanata. Born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and living in Akron, Ohio, Alejandra is a professor of Hispanic and Literature Studies at the University of Akron, and is a working artist with a focus in printmaking. Her prints are collage-based, sometimes including text, figures, and objects against a background that's energetic, full of patterns and colors. And though she's exhibited internationally, those with a Summit County Library card can check out her work from the museum's art library program. And with that, please enjoy Maria Alejandra Zanata's Shop Talk. So excited that this is your first podcast experience. I know, you know, it's funny, you're not going to believe this, but Novotny's piece is one of my favorite ones. To me, he's almost like a magic realist, at least this portrait. Oh, really? Oh my God, I love it. I, I was <laughs> very intrigued by, by, by this painting. So I was so excited, excited just to, you know, to see, you know, that that was the painting that, that I was supposed to talk about because I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because, yeah, we usually, um, with the topic of mark making for this episode, we chose Novotny um, for pretty obvious reasons, but I love how your work is kind of the opposite. You can see those extreme cuts from your woodblocks and the lino, and with his, it's, I mean, very realistic, very subtle uh, mark making. 
So I love that you love it. More psychological. He hides his his mark making to make it more realistic, more you know, more right. real. And therefore, you know, you establish this relationship with the characters that are almost alive. It's it's, it's great. I love I love I, I really love his painting. What about this work in specific, the artist and his wife? Is there a certain area of this painting that you love or gesture or? You probably don't know, but um, you know, I studied uh, painting in Argentina, but then uh, at Ohio State, I did uh, cultural studies and in the relationship between literature and painting. That's what I, I teach. My area is feminism. So I'm very used to analyze uh, male surrealist paintings uh, in comparison with women surrealist painters. And one very common motif is the muse and the artist. The way, the way in which he he kind of uh, turns this upside down because he's not a passive object at all. Right. He's an equal in that painter. She even has more presence than he does. She is basically defiantly looking at you like, why are you bothering us? Why oh, are yeah. you interrupting us? And so instead of inviting the viewer to look at them, it's like, go away. You know, you're interrupting <laughs> us. So there's this very interesting tension between, you know, what a, a, a traditional portrait painting is and the way in which these two characters, which, you know, which has a lot of personality and they're almost alive, interact with, you know, with you as a viewer. So their will, which is us going away, is, you know, fighting our way wow. to steering. <laughs> really interesting. I mean, I really love this painting. It always caught my attention. You know, when I thought, oh, I'm going to get Alejandra on here and speak about this painting, I did not expect you to have this much information and relationship to this work with your studies. Um, I feel like I'm learning more from you right now in this moment about this work than I ever have learned before. Oh, that's so nice of you. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, great. No, thank you. Um, so to transition a little bit, we briefly spoke about mark making, but what does mark making mean to you and your practice? Mark making for me, it could be anything that allows me to express the intention that I have, you know, uh, for that specific piece. It could be lines, it could be, um, you know, the the way as you as you mentioned, the linoleum cuts, uh, in which you know you you really see the mark making and the directionality of the of the piece and the composition, you know, adding emphasis to that. So it could be used in a very descriptive way. For example, when I use bold lines. Um, these horizontal, uh, these uh, diagonal lines to add movement to to an object or or whatever to a landscape, uh, still life, or it could be used in a more uh, conceptual and sim symbolic way. For example, if I add text to an image, usually the text will will establish like a, a kind of in, a interplay with the with the image. And it would complement the image or it would contradict the image. So it would add this other layer of layer of interest to the piece. It will open the piece to, to an interpretation. Because, I mean, when we look at a work of art, usually we are projecting. And each day is different. You know, maybe today you are great and, you know, you see this piece through this angle. But maybe another day you come and you see this piece and you are going through a different emotion. And then you are basically throwing that that onto the piece and interpret right. the text and the image in a completely different way. 
So, you know, mark making for me is anything that enables me to express uh, my intention. As a, okay. Yeah, I love how you um, discuss the bolder lines that you cut into the wood block or the linoleum block and um, how that can use as a way to show movement within the composition, but also maybe the different variations in line size can be more emotional, you know, gives the viewer something more to perceive. Sure, and the piece that the museum has in the library, for me, still lives are not still lives. They are, right. you know, they are alive. They are not still. So whenever I, I, I make a still life, I make a point in, you know, in, with my map making, in making this, move, this piece a very dynamic and, and, you know, with a lot of movement. I love that you called it um, not a still life, but a live life. I don't know how you would make a term for that, but um. I know because they're you know still life. It's like you know you are you know it's just the very traditional way of looking. Okay, well you have a you know an object in front of you and you are and and it's not like that. You know it's right. Speaking of studio based practices, um, have a couple more fun questions for you if you don't mind. Yes. Um, so what is the first thing you do in the morning? The first thing I do in the morning is feed my dog, Luna, who is desperate. She is very food motivated, like oh. the rest of the family. Oh. <laughs> so she's like, just waiting for me. That, you know, that tail is like a helicopter. Oh, so yeah. I, yeah. So I feed her and then I go straight to the coffee maker because without a good dosis of caffeine in my bloodstream, I cannot function. So I start, you know, having headaches if I don't have my what are your three desert island studio needs oh that's so tough i don't know well i i we have lots of papers with textures and colors and probably a scissor and a glue some type of edible glue that i can okay favor <laughs> 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 it <laughs> during the quarantine uh, in my island yeah would you have a flavor for your glue? Chocolate. That would be lovely. <laughs> I love that you um, made sure one of your tools um, also doubled as food. We are very food motivated in this, in this family. <laughs> so quarantine has been a challenge, believe me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, so out of those tools or any tool, what is your favorite for the studio? Um, well, lately, because I, of course, brushes and acrylic, but lately, because I've been experimenting more with printmaking, I would say, you know, the, the carving tool. Because the carving tools for printmaking have different tips. Do you have like a favorite, like shape of a tip, like more U shape or V? Well, I use, I use more the V to, to define the contours and then to, okay. for the, for the areas that are, that are more soft. I use okay. the U shape, so and sometimes I use the U, the U shape just to do the the mark making. You know that it does painting. Right. So yeah, I love also the ones that are kind of squarish. You know that they have like a kind of square, square tip. So you can you can also make these uh, wonderful grooves and 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 kind of almost channels into the yes into the blocks. So yeah, I love these carving tools because they allow you with, with mark making actually. So you yeah, can do... I love that you use all those different shapes too. So with that being balanced with the studio, is that something that you would consider a silver lining during this time? Or are there do you have like a bigger silver lining that you would say has helped with, with all of this going on in the world? 
Yeah, well, I mean, of course, you have the heartbreak of all these people that are dying and losing their jobs and colleagues. You know, yesterday I was in this protest because the university is laying off uh, colleagues and, you know, we, we are all heartbreaking because, you know, we, we, you know, we can imagine. I, I mean, I can't. I can't imagine how, how hard this is. But having to self-isolate also has, has uh, given me the opportunity to spend all this time alone in my studio. It's, it's very interesting because art has become more and more uh, like a meditation for me. Whenever I'm very upset or whenever, you know, if I just go and, and, and by practicing and by doing this, you know, this creative, engaging in this creative process, is like sorting through my feelings and through my hopes. So it has, I could call that the silver light. We are here and I have my studio at home, so I have more access. Oh, good. Well, I always enjoy hearing that the artists are able to use their passion and to put into just coming out of this. And, and that makes me so glad to hear for you. Um, and then lastly, I just have some this or that question. Sure. Okay. Old versus new. Ooh. I would say old because I always look in the past to create, to create new things. I mean, okay. I don't really think, I mean, I think that each artist or whoever or in my line of research too with, you know, women's art and feminism, you add on whatever, you know, somebody else have done before you are adding or building on it or, so I would say all, but just to move forward, not to stay stuck, you know. Okay. I like that. I like that interpretation. Uh, next one, half full or half empty? Oh, lately. Oh, no. Definitely half empty. No. I wish, you know, hope. I, have, I still have hope, though, you know, that maybe, you know, in the future I could see the, the glass half full, but right. definitely half empty now. Okay. Morning or night? Morning. So my coffee and feeling oh, yes. I'm ready to go. Um, fast or slow? Mm, I'm kind of, you know, kind of hyper, so I would say, yeah, fast. <laughs> you said you're hyper? Yeah, and, and that, <laughs> yeah but you know, I think it's like this, this, this personality that is like, in, I would call it intense, so I, yeah, it's slow, it kind of makes me nervous, I'm not, okay. nervous, so yeah, yeah. And last, this or that question, salty or sweet? Oh, sweet. 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 Oh, that's my downfall, my goodness, yeah. Do you have a favorite sweet snack? Chocolate. Oh, well, you did mention your edible glue. I mean, yeah, chocolate. It's, yeah. Do my you... husband, actually, he's from Austria. So my, my in-laws used to send us a chocolate from Austria. Oh. So I would beg my husband to put these chocolates in his briefcase with a combination that I didn't know. And I was, it was so <laughs> sad to see me whenever he would leave. I would go to that briefcase and I would try to find out the password and you would see me so pathetic. I mean, trying to, okay. And I would get mad because it didn't open the briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely sweet and chocolate. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that he has a combination suitcase with chocolate. I asked, I, I asked him actually. I asked him, please lock this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I cannot restrain myself. So he did as I, you know, as I asked, and then I was mad because. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite type of chocolate? 
Um, I love caramel. Well, in Argentina, it's dulce de leche. It's big. So whatever yeah. you, you, whenever you combine dark chocolate with dulce de leche, oh, that's paradise. Okay. I love that. <laughs> this is my favorite story, hearing about that briefcase. I'm going to think about this. Do you mind sharing with our viewers any upcoming projects or things you're working on currently? Well, actually, uh, on the 19th of July, which is a sun this Sunday, there's this unveiling of the One World Mural Series in the Short North area in Columbus. And my work is represented by the Brandt Roberts Gallery. And each year, this has been going on for seven years, each gallery in the Short North, they pick a work of art, and then the Short North Arts Alliance, they blow this image up and they basically make it a mural. So if you go to the, work, to the website, and they provide you with maps, so you can go on the Short North, you don't even have to go into the gallery. Some of the galleries are open, so they are having the, actually art, the actual artwork that is on the wall inside. But then you can have your map and go through the short north and look at all this artwork on the on the walls of the short north. Oh wow! So, Very exciting. I know. You're <laughs> such a lovely person to talk to. I'm so glad I got to meet you, even virtually. I wish it was in person, but it's um, we 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 have the opportunity to meet personally. I would love that. All right, excellent. So um, we are so happy to be doing this and reaching out to you. If you want to reach back out to us, please do give us a call. Our phone number is 330-790-1622 or throw us an email at podcast at akronartmuseum.org. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times. Relief Podcast is a production of the Akron Art Museum. Today, you heard from museum staff members Gina Thomas-McGee, Seema Rao, Reggie Lynch, and Caitlin Evans, along with artist Maria Alejandra Zanata. Special thank you to Jordan King, who wrote and performed all the podcast theme music. Until next time, take care and live creative.